State of the Industry podcast. This episode is brought to you by KP Movement Education, your source for health and movement education and coaching. Whether you are a health or fitness professional, a fitness consumer, or perhaps a passive bystander, KP believes that everyone deserves the right to pain-free movement. That's why their memberships and services are designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to create a culture of movement for yourself and those around you. With two membership options, you'll find education surrounding developing at-home training programs for yourself or for others, mental health and exercise, lifestyle medicine, and much, much more. Check it out at kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. That's kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the State of the Industry podcast. I am your host, Adam Yangsma. I am really excited today to bring you part one of a two-part conversation that I had with a mentor of mine, Perry Nicholson. He is a practicing chiropractic physician and the founder of Stop Chasing Pain. He travels all over the world presenting several different workshops, including Primal Movement Chains, Lymphatic Mojo, Functional Medicine and Movement, and Fluid Force Systems. He's got a membership site. He's actually got his own podcast. His Instagram is a must follow. So check him out. It's basically stop chasing pain everywhere. Within this conversation, we talk all about lymphatics. We talk about a systems approach to assessments and to treatment, as well as how we can help reduce the body's toxicity to improve performance, rehabilitation, and overall health. I know you're going to enjoy this podcast, so I won't take up any more of your time. Don't forget to follow and rate the podcast wherever you listen, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome, Perry. How are you doing today? I'm always great, my friend. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no great problem. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm really looking forward. Like, I followed your stuff since I first heard your name come across my desk when I was working at CanFit Pro, and yeah. um, we got to come down and see your pri Primal Movement Chains workshop, which was uh, really, really eye-opening, and I've been following your stuff ever since. Anybody I ever talk to, um, any PTs I ever work with, like your name always comes up, and I'm like, you gotta, you just gotta follow them, right? You Thank you. That's very kind. I, it feels like yesterday that workshop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still remember a lot of the things. Uh, actually, still do a lot of the things, like getting up off the floor. Like, I, I, it's interesting back then. Like, I'd never heard about or or thought about the concept of just getting off the floor, not using your hands, like just trying a whole bunch of different ways, right? You introduced me to rolling patterns, which was uh, really eye-opening as well. So yeah, fundamentals have a way of doing that. <laughs> yeah. So just for any kind of listeners who don't know, can you give a little bit of a background about um, kind of who you are and what you, um, what you do and how you kind of got to where you are right now? Like what kind of path you took? Sure, sure. Well, name's Perry Nicholson and uh, founder of Stop Chasing Pain. And I think my whole life's journey is tried to help me figure out, you know, why 
why human beings get in pain. And more importantly, I was always on a journey to why stuff would always keep coming back on people, even with all these wonderful therapies that we have available to treat people. Yeah. I kept wondering, well, it's really great if it helps for a little while, but why does this stuff always want to keep coming back? There's got to be some kind of missing piece or missing thought process to it. <clears throat> and that's really what stop chasing pain means. It means we obviously treat pain, but I think that we just get so caught up in going after where the pain is and doing everything to that side of pain or blaming the side of pain that something is wrong, that that thought process in and of itself, I think is wrong. And, you know, it just doesn't seem to be working <laughs> anymore in the context of what's really hitting, hitting human beings right now of these chronic autoimmune diseases where people have so many different things going on that you just can't blame and put your finger on one thing. It's very different than acute care or infectious disease care or traumatic care. That's pretty straightforward, right? Mm. And we do really well at that. Yeah. But the track record on the other stuff is pretty horrific track record, honestly. Yeah. And so I, I got into this profession of chiropractic, which was my baseline degree to actually get into it and try to start to help people. And that's where I started focusing on the musculoskeletal system because I got hurt bodybuilding when I was in my twenties and it's pretty much the only thing that I could do that um, brought me back, honestly, is mm -hmm. uh, chiropractic. So I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. I'll do that. But it was zeroed in on low backs and necks and spines. And it was, I had fun for a while, but then I just started to stir. There's got to mm -hmm. be something more. Then I branched out looking at the muscle system and the fascial system and all these other things. And that helped for a little while too. And <laughs> yeah. it just one, one led me to another, to another. And then I studied a lot of different type of disciplines and there's something I came to realize they all work. Yeah. And everything works for someone. That's what I tell. Cause I, I like everything, but I was always curious. So why would it work for this person, but not for that person? That's what I want to know. Mm -hmm. And that, that had to dig deeper to look at processes and what I call systems. And so I started to look more of like what, what can lead up to a person getting an issue and what could be a reason why they're not responding to it. And then that's been my journey ever since is to try to take all these things that work and find a way to maybe sh shuffle them around. Mm -hmm. and, and and change the way that we're doing them or when we're doing them or the order that we're doing them in, which yeah. I'm finding to be actually the big key to the puzzle, is um, there's got to be something that's right in front of us, but we're not looking at it. Yeah. And that's what led me into looking at many different disciplines over 30 years. But then I started to look at all the different systems of the body and not just focus on one yeah right because that's what we have a tendency to do is that we just focus on the one system that's in front of us that seems to be having an issue and then we think well that's the problem system uh, probably not yeah i mean it's it's part of the 
puzzle, but it doesn't mean it's the whole puzzle. Yeah. And what I say now all the time is my new mantra that no system in the human body ever works alone. Mm-hmm. Never. It, when it never gets injured alone, never heals alone. But that's out of all these years of medicine, that's still what we do. Yeah. We, we isolate. And I'm like, that's completely the opposite direction you need to go. Yeah. For, what, for the predicament that we're in now. Yeah, for sure. And I know um, you've gotten a lot more into moving towards lymphatics. So you have a, oh, yeah. your lymphatic mojo course, the body aquarium. Um, I love yeah. that name. And I've heard on Thank a couple you. other podcasts, you've explained it, but just for our listeners, can you just explain how you got into lymphatics and what that means, the body aquarium? Sure. Great question. Well, first of all, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And honestly, I got into lymphatics by necessity because I was really, I got really, really sick. I, five years ago, my body just decided, just decided to turn on itself really. And we call that today an autoimmune disease. Mm. And that's not an acceptable answer for me that, well, first of all, why the hell did I just all of a sudden decide to start attacking me? <laughs> right yeah. it's got to be it never just suddenly does anything first of all it builds up over time and uh i just started to get sick and you know telling my story will will really help you understand i i got brain fog i got fatigue i was tired all the time i was starting to get chronic infections all the time i was just feeling like a human being that was falling apart and I've been exercising all the time, training all the time, and just doing everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing right, and it still happened to me. And I, did, I went the traditional route of helping myself with the infections because I had to get them under control and you know, went through antibiotics and pain medications, and eventually those made me worse, and then I had to do more and more, and then I had to go to surgeries, and then they made me worse, and the only answer that those guys have are those tools, mm-hmm. right? But they were making me worse, not better. And they didn't do it on purpose. It's just the only tools they've got, yeah. right? It's the classic, well, if I got a hammer, everything's a freaking nail. That's what yeah. that is. And I'm like, well, not for me. And I was really at a point where I was so sick, I had to stop seeing patients. And I had to close my office and I had to stop teaching and doing the things that I love to do. And I felt like I was damn near close to dying. And somehow something lined up, an old friend of mine contacted me that I went to chiropractic school with that I hadn't heard from since I left chiropractic school, which was probably 25 years prior. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me why. (laughs) And then uh, he said, oh, you know, I mean, I know you're into studying the body and there's course that's happening in London where we study energy systems of the body. It's looking at more of like energetic type medicine. And I was getting in that route because I was trying to study what happens energetically in individual cells that might make them sick. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, we're we're having a course this weekend in London if you want to go. And it was a Wednesday. (laughs) They said it's starting on Saturday. And I just felt like I was supposed to say yes. Yeah. I said yes, dragged myself there, 
went to the class and you know what um was there and um somebody who was teaching the class said i i think i know what your problem is and i go really and he goes yeah he says come on over here and he proceeded to take two fingers and stick them on the largest lymph node that is in your neck which is right behind the angle of your jaw, really high up, right at the top of your spine mm-hmm. on either side. <clears throat> People that know anatomy, you would say, well, that's where your atlas and your axis sit right there. Mm-hmm. And as a chiropractor, I mean, I knew that, right? But I yeah. was always looking at atlas and axis. I wasn't looking at anything else. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's my jam. Right? <laughs> or I'm looking at the sternocleidomastoid. Yeah. Whatever. And he pushed in there, and it was excruciating, man. It was the worst pain I ever felt in my life on both sides. And he he proceeded to press on the other major areas of my body where the lymph nodes sit. And lymph nodes are basically areas that take toxins in the body and try to destroy them and break them down when you're not well. (laughs) And uh, every single one was worse than the last one. And I said, what the hell? And he goes, he got a lymphatic system problem. And even me, I was like, lymph what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, I'm in this industry for goodness sakes. And I heard about lymph maybe the last time was on my board exam or something in school because why the hell do you need to pay attention to the lymphatic system? I'm a chiropractor. I I don't have cancer. Why do I have to worry about it? Come, come to pass, I actually did have cancer 18 years prior to this moment. <laughs> and uh, so he said, your lymphatic system is a mess. And I said, I never even considered that, right? Nobody ever talked to me about that whatsoever yeah. at all. And here's the thing. Just from the actual assessment, I felt better the next day. Mm-hmm. Like, I initially felt worse because it gets rid of toxins that are in the body and you feel like crap when you start to release stuff that's stuck there. Yeah. But I started to come back. I said, you know what? I don't know if it's all in my head, but I actually feel a little bit less awful today. <laughs> <laughs> and then I subsequently started to work more and more and I began to come back. And then that, that lit my brain up of a system I never thought to look at. But then I went really, really deep into trying to learn everything that I could about it. And there's re- there really wasn't a lot out there. Mm-hmm. And there still really isn't compared to how important this system is. And I've just dedicated my life since that time to studying and learning all different types of ways to take care of the lymph because it saved my life, honestly, mm-hmm. going after that system and learning that system which we're going to get deep into talking about but i the thing that was interesting is that all those years that i've studied the other disciplines really helped me put a new spin on the lymphatic work because Mm. the program that i created is where i mixed in all of the other things that i've learned over the years from studying the pain science and neuroscience and the musculoskeletal system and the nervous system. So I could integrate all of those techniques into this one and give a much more, what I like to think is a a broad-based connection of how all these systems work together and then it makes sense. 
mm-hmm. when you can look at it like that way. And then um, <clears throat> I just created this lymphatic mojo body aquarium program and um, started using it on people, my patients first to see, okay, well, let's see how well this thing works. <laughs> yeah. Right. <clears throat> and it was just mind blowing how people responded and how many changes that they started to have and improvements that they started to have, even from the stuff that was already doing treatments to them prior. Mm-hmm. And then I started to introduce this component and all those other things that I was doing before actually got better results. Nice. So that's why I think it's, that's interesting. I thought to myself, those things were working, but they weren't working as well as they could work. Mm -hmm. What was the difference? Because it was the same stuff. Yeah. Then I thought to myself, I know what I did. I did something else before I did those. So that got me down the looking at systems interactions and shuffling things around of when I did therapies and which order. Mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> that's what lymphatic mojo body aquarium is because i probably should explain the lymphatic system now right yeah <laughs> uh, so the um lymphatic system to me is the most important and most neglected system in the human body in relationship to health vitality disease prevention recovery regeneration you name it mm-hmm it's just been overlooked for so long. And my mission is now to make it not so yeah. that way, based on my own experience. And the lymphatic system is the fundamental detoxification sewage system of your body, which means its job is to get rid of things that you no longer want in the body mm-hmm. that are not supposed to be in there that get in there or things that got in there that you wanted in there, but your body used and now it's not supposed to be there anymore. (laughs) Right. So this sewage system is just like you think you get rid of yucky stuff, right? Get in, get it out. I don't want to be around it. The lymphatics get rid of bacteria viruses, parasites, fungus, cancer cells, metabolic waste. That's the waste of all the cells of your body just dying from being alive Mm -hmm. and making new ones or taking in nutrients that you deliver it through oxygen or through food and the cells eat and they poop and pee too, just like you do. And that stuff has got to go out. Yeah. You flush the toilet when you go to the bathroom. Your body uses the lymphatic system. If the lymphatic system works well, it can get rid of those things that make their way in. Mm-hmm. And it can get rid of those things that are needing to get out. But if it doesn't work well, it's just like you going to the bathroom and then you're never able to flush your toilet for years at a time. <laughs> That's what the environment is like yeah. in your body. 
And I use the body aquarium as an analogy because <clears throat> I learned a long time ago, the easiest way to help someone understand a concept that they know nothing about is to tie it to one that they might, they're already very familiar with. Mm -hmm. So I, body aquarium means this. Most people have seen a fish tank in an aquarium or a swimming pool. So the fish tank, you've got water in there, and then you've got things in the tank, living things, fish, whatever you, whatever you want to put in there. And then those guys, actually, you feed them, right? You give nutrients into them. The fish eat and the fish poop, yep. right? Just like your cells do. And that tank looks beautiful if you keep the filter system working well and you keep the proper pH balance and you're checking the chemical context in the water with all your different colors and your kits and everything. And then life is great. <clears throat> but if something happens to the filter system in the tank, then what, what water slowly, not immediately, right? Yeah. Over time starts, yeah, the water just looks murky. Mm -hmm. Or it, then it starts to get green. Yeah. Then, you know, fish develop stuff growing on them that's not supposed to be there. You get yucky stuff along the glass and you get film everywhere. Yucky film. Yeah. That's because the water becomes stagnant. It's not moving and mm -hmm. it's not filtering. And then what happens to the fish eventually? They die. Right, and it becomes a toxic, yucky environment. That's what's happening to the human body. That's what's so deceptive. In acute care medicine, if from a fall, a fracture, you know, trauma, the water would immediately turn yucky in a second, mm -hmm. and you would say, "Okay, well, my, I know what the problem is." But this one happens over time. Yeah. Right? But the rationale, of the way people do it this day and age, is this with chronic disease and chronic pain and autoimmune, we have everything in this fish tank that's a disaster. Yeah. Doesn't matter what's there. And then we give it some kind of disease name. They're all whatever disease name you want to get it. And they say, okay, well, this tank sucks and all my fish are dead, but I have, a, I have an idea. I'm just going to take out all that water. I'm going to throw out all those fish. I'm going to clean the tank out. I'm going to put new water in and I'm going to put new fish in and new coral in good to go. Yeah. And then you are for a couple of weeks, but then what comes back? Yep. Same damn thing. Right. Yep. Because you haven't fixed the problem or the environment that's there. Mm -hmm. So all you got to do is just, it's the part that you don't see. What you have to do is, you ever seen the fish tanks that are beautiful up here and you have a big cabinet on the bottom? Yep. You never see what's under the damn cabinet, but that's what keeps the fish tank running. That's your filtration system. Yeah. So my only thing that I'm trying to tell people is this. I still want you to do stuff to the tank, man. Do everything to take care of the tank. But what I want you to do first is fix the filter system first. Mm -hmm. Then you go after the tank. Yeah. 
you're going to have vastly different results in the long run. Mm -hmm. And the other part with that, if that makes sense, the other part is, is that everybody's going after all the stuff individually in the tank. And I'm trying to say, why don't you just go after the environment of the tank itself? And then all those other things will probably figure their own way out of how to do that. And it ties into epigenetics that we talk about today, which means that your health is dependent not on your genetics, but on your environment. Mm -hmm. So it's the environment inside of your body and outside of your body. It's both. The number one way that I found to do that is through lymphatics, because there's many other detoxification organs in your body. Your skin is one. Your liver is one. Your lungs are some. Your kidneys are one. So there's way your body has got so much stuff and it's just designed to get rid of yucky stuff. Yeah. And the lymph is the biggest one because all those other ones that I just mentioned, lymph controls how well they work. Mm-hmm. So what I do now is I call lymphatic a uh, work a force multiplier. Force multiplier came from the world of military because I work with a lot of military guys. And that's a term that they use to say, listen, if you want a force multiplier, man, because that means that if I introduce it into my mission, Everything in the mission from the boots on the ground to the White House gets better. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's what you want. Yeah. Right. And then that's what I decided to introduce into my program to say lymphatic work with the body body aquarium is not designed to replace what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. It's designed to amplify it. So you do my reset first then you do the other ones yeah and you'll notice a huge difference and that order makes a big big difference and yeah it and i tell people this think about it from a training perspective if you did one i see it all the time if i gave people two different exercises if you did exercise a and then you did exercise b you're like wow man i was i felt like a monster i was on <laughs> fire then I say, okay, now I want you to do exercise B and then do exercise A. Yeah. And then they say, that sucked, man. That was so much harder. My time was worse. And I'm like, but they're the same movements. They're the yeah. same thing. What was different? Just the, you just switched the order. Yeah. And it was something about that sweet spot that hit your nervous system right or hit your system, your your whatever you needed and for you you as an individual for that zone. And when people look at it like that, that makes complete common sense, right? Yeah. That A and B are not really A and B when B comes before A. Yeah. So what I'm trying to tell people is why in the hell is your body any different in relationship to your health? Yeah. But in medicine, we break everything down into parts. Mm -hmm. And then we look at a part. And I'm like, I got news for you, man. That part ain't going to be that part when I stick it with another part. <laughs> That's what a dynamic, dynamic living system is about. It completely changes its function Yeah. when you put it in a group. It's just like you. I, when you're alone, you're not the same as when you're with a group. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. The whole dynamic changes. And that's exactly what it is in relationship to the body. So this reductionist thinking in medicine has really done wonders for us to be able to not have killer diseases, yeah, things like that. But you are not going to get the same results when you bring that reductionistic thought process to what we're struggling with now in relationship to chronic illness, but also chronic pain. That yeah. means that just going after, you know, doc, I've had this right knee problem for years, and then everybody just goes after the knee. And then I, that's where I need to think, okay, well, let's look somewhere else. And that's kind of where my journey started. It's very interesting because with Stop Chasing Pain, I got the big idea about eight years ago from the name, but I was still trapped in one system. Mm. What I mean by that is this. Let's say my right knee hurt. For me, the biggest thing that was blew my mind was look at the ankle and look at the hip. Yeah. Maybe they're causing the knee. I was like boom, like that makes so much sense, right? And then it got even more crazy when somebody said, why don't you look at the other knee and other leg and other hip? Because maybe that's affecting that one. And they're like, you're crazy. Why would that do anything? And then somebody said, maybe you should look up there and check your opposite side shoulder or your opposite side elbow. Mm -hmm. And it looks nuts until you understand how the body works. But then I thought to myself, you know what, Perry? You're still stuck in one damn system. So that's a good start. But then I thought there's a lot of other systems that control what happens to that knee. Mm -hmm. My lymphatic system, my vascular system, my organ system, right? My immune system, all those things. And I never really looked at those as a contributing factor to the knee. I'm not saying that they always will be. But usually with the chronic pain issues, they sort of always will be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. Um, so just going back to the aquarium analogy. So um, my father had a very large fish tank in our basement. And uh, it was like every single week. So, you know, he had a good filtration system. But every single week he's down there cleaning all of the little rocks on the bottom and all that kind of stuff, pulling out you know, the fake coral and making sure it's all clean, like getting rid of it all. And then um, it just got to the point where whether it was he was too busy with work or family, whatever we were doing, but it just started to kind of drift and came once every week and a half and then two weeks and then three weeks and then four weeks. And then all of a sudden he says, I can't keep up anymore. Right. And uh, I think what you're saying about the lymphatics is it's the exact same idea. Like if you, you have to, tackle it on a regular basis it's not something you just do when you have a problem it's something you do to kind of prevent that problem from actually surfacing in the first place right right yeah exactly so you know because people always ask me how often should i do lymphatic work my answer is yes that's the tongue-in-cheek answer because life never stops hitting you Mm -hmm. with toxicity yeah even if you weren't getting any from the outside world which trust me you're getting toxins (laughs) that the human body was never designed to be exposed to yeah, uh, the amount that it is, and the different variations that there are. But even if I put you in a completely sterile environment, you'd still get them because your body has its own toxic processes from oxidation and mm-hmm. using oxygen and cellular waste, <clears throat> and that stuff needs to get out. But yeah. you know, 
the lymphatic system is designed, your system of your body are designed to work, right? But you got to work at helping them work better. Mm -hmm. So the, yeah. with the lymphatics, everything you do affects that from the food that you eat to well, the water you drink to your stress level and the thoughts that you do. But the lymphatic doesn't take much to get that guy to, to move. It's movement moves lymph. So just a very act of moving yourself more. And then breathing, breathing through your diaphragm, especially because when you breathe through your diaphragm, it actually moves and creates pressure in the body, which moves fluid. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> so the more you can breathe and the more you can move, the better. And then people are usually say, yeah, I do that already. But then I, I say that what happened is that your, your system has just been so overloaded that that's not enough anymore. Mm -hmm. That sometimes you just got to go in there, you got to break out the plunger, right? Yeah. I got to get that thing and I got to free it up. Then when you free it up, then you do your breathing and then you do your movement. It can keep it working well, but then you still have to take care of it. It's kind of like teeth. If I get, go to the dentist and my teeth are great, doesn't mean I don't have to brush until I go back to the dentist again. Yeah. That's not going to work out really well. Mm -hmm. So all you got to do and why I made this system the way I did it is because I had to make it simple. I had to make it easy and something that people would actually work into their life to do and say, oh, I got, I got 60 seconds for you. I do one to two minute reset every day. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes like brushing your teeth. And then every now and then you just need to do a little bit of an intensive flush. Right? Yeah. That's all because you just want to get, get in there and give a little bit more. That's why you go get a teeth cleaning every now and then because they get in there and they give you a good um, flush. Yeah. Or one day uh, I always do teeth analogies. I'll, I'll just do a brush, but you know, I probably got a floss too sometimes. <laughs> so that's the difference between a one minute reset and a two minute reset for me. Yeah. It's just <clears throat> the dentist will always ask you when you go to the dentist and your teeth are horrific. They go, how many times a day are you flossing? And most people will say, eh, not what they should be, right? Yeah. The same thing with the lymphatics. Same thing with the lymphatics. Interestingly enough, every single one of your teeth has its own individual lymphatic channel <laughs> that drains down into your jaw. Yeah. That's why when people have periodontal disease or terrible teeth, they usually end up getting uh, autoimmune or systemic inflammation issues somewhere because it travels through the lymph from mm -hmm. the bacteria in the mouth. Yeah. 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 I like what you said. So the, the systems approach has been something that over the past, I don't, I don't know, I, I want to say like 10 to 15 years, because when I got into the industry, I was working in a lot of physio clinics and it was the same way, mm -hmm. right? Like you've got the, yeah. the physios, chiros, you know, somebody has got an ankle injury. So how are you rehabbing that ankle injury? Well, you're going to do some ultrasound on the area, and then you're going to have them stand on one foot and then eventually close their eyes while standing on that one foot, do some dorsiflexion, yeah. microflexion, like, and just the way things have changed, um, you know, that eye-opening approach. So I'm trying to wonder, like, I'm, or I'm curious of your thoughts about why, why one, it's taken so long to get lymphatics kind of a little bit better known. I still don't think it's, you know, widely known or widely appreciated, and then yeah. why it's so hard for whether it be the fitness industry or the allied health professions 
to actually bring in and look at multiple systems when they do things. Because it, it's getting better, but why it, it takes so long often for that to, to occur? Well, a lot of it's dogma. You know, it's just like, that's the way it's been. It's the way it's always been. And it's the way it's taught in school. And then you just keep paying it forward. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of get brainwashed in a way. And people become very possessive about their techniques or their information. And they start to see things through a certain lens. Unfortunately, that's just part of the way medicine is these days. Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> and uh, also, too, is it... it and at a certain level with education and university, they they have this tunnel that they're in and stuff that they expose you to. And it's a very slow process for anything new to work its way in. Mm -hmm. It's usually what, whatever is in research and whatever's in the clinic is usually like 10 years behind. Yeah. Most often. Yeah. Yeah. That, just that's like a just textbook. Like a, that's a, yeah, that's a low number. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but a lot of it too is we've seen that happen with so many things, though. Even with there, there used to be a time when uh, nobody gave fascia a second thought, mm -hmm. and, and they thought it was just inconsequential tissue that you just had to cut through because it's a nuisance to let me get to the good stuff. Yeah, and now you can't go anywhere without it being a fascial problem. Yeah, right. Because we just didn't know what we didn't know, or we weren't even, it was there. Here's the thing I try to say. It was there the whole time. We just didn't see it mm -hmm. or pay attention to it or weren't opened up to find it and see the relevance of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same way limp is going to be. I call limp the new fascia, which means pretty soon I think it's going to be like that, especially if I have anything to <laughs> say about it, right? Yeah. But it's also, they did that with, you know, uh, brain science, with the brain. They used to think that the brain couldn't change itself and what you got, you got, and you got a brain and when it deteriorates, you're screwed, then you die. And then yeah. now we know that it's completely opposite. And then <laughs> we used to think that there was no lymphatics in the brain. We thought it was a privileged system that didn't have any lymph in it. Yeah. And we got that one completely wrong too. Yeah. Now we know that, that it is there, and it's a huge player these days in neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But when you look, so many things with dogma and paradigms, when people aren't ready for it, they shut it down. Yeah. So yeah. lymph was discovered long time ago. Mm -hmm. even the even we were discussing a little bit before even the lymph in the brain was discovered about 200 years ago <laughs> but when the guy found it they weren't ready for it they thought he was crazy and then they they called him an outlier and they just you know pushed him to the side and he was somebody who was vilified and just buried it yeah and then all of a sudden until 10 years ago now they're oh we found the news i'm like no you didn't find anything <laughs> This yeah. guy found it 200 years ago. Somebody else found it 100 years ago. They just stuck it in the books and, you know, X-filed that stuff, yeah. right? It's only now that, oh, we can see it with this, you know, $5 million microscope to prove that it's there. <clears throat> and me, I'm kind of logical. And I'm like, listen, do you really think Mother Nature is stupid enough not to put lymphatics in your brain to drain the most important organ in your body? Mm -hmm. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you just got to look at it like that. So I tongue-in-cheek joke around all the time.
because it's very frustrating for me that this profession can't see beyond its nose in yep. relationship to things. And that's one of the reasons why people are getting sicker and sicker, Yeah, in my opinion. So I, the, the more I do this stuff, the more I'm trying to try to have, teach people a thought process of how to look at the body and the different systems of the body and try to think more about how the, how and why the body does what it does. Yeah. Not so much the way, what the textbook is telling you it does, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Like your body and the textbook have got two different goals. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a completely different thought process. Yeah. Uh, and very rarely does the textbook line up with what you're actually seeing in front of you. Most of the time it, it doesn't. And it yeah. can be very frustrating. Nothing is more terrifying than the idea of unlimited possibilities. Humans yeah. don't like that. Yeah. But that's what it's like when a person comes into you. And that's how I have to look at it. I'm opened up to anything. Yeah. Because when you start to specialize, you usually find what you're looking for. Yeah. All of the time. Because that's just what you see. Mm -hmm. You don't see anything else, right? It was that Anais Nin said, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Yeah. So when I do lymphatic work, I know the lymph is the most important system in the body, but I'm also not foolish enough to say that that's the only thing I got to work on. Yeah. I have to look at everything else. So I don't negate those things and mm -hmm. put those together. So that's when I started to develop this. It's called an ecosystem hierarchy of the body and an yep. ecosystem is just that. And when you go out in nature, everything works together mm -hmm. and everything finds its place and has to shuffle in the deck yep. depending on what another thing needs. And it works as a unit, yep. but there's a hierarchy to things too. You know, like, Hey, a tiger is probably going to eat that damn gazelle. That's a hierarchy. Yeah. That's the way it is in the body too. There's certain Everything in nature is important. Everything has a role, but some things dominate over others. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing in relationship to the human body with my ecosystem hierarchy. And that, yeah. that has been really fundamental, honestly, in helping me try to understand how all these things are working and why, why the body decided to do this in relationship to that. That's yeah. always fascinating. It's kind of like being a detective. And yeah. what I found that is lacking in medicine, not many detectives left Yeah, to be able to look at things because you really got to think. Nobody thinks anymore. They just test. Yeah. Thinking and testing are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right? And yeah. that's the frustrating part. So you, you mentioned something that I just want to ask a question about. It's kind of uh, it like off the beaten path a little bit. Um, but I've since I've followed you, you've um, always talked about kind of drinking the Kool-Aid and, you know, being on that crazy shit path and all that kind of stuff. Do yeah. you, because um, you, you talked about the individual who found it 200 years ago and he was vilified and blah, blah, blah. And I always have found you to kind of be that same person that's on kind of that, the, the forefront of kind of looking at things very, very differently and not being afraid of that. Do you actually enjoy that 
kind of position. Oh, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a big joy of mine. Yeah. I call it poking the snake. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't mind it. I've actually, I think this is part of who I am. I've mm-hmm. always been, I've always been a nonconformist that I'll always want to do what you tell me not to do. Yeah. Just because you're telling me to do it. I'm not going to be an anarchist. There's a difference. Yeah. Right. So if, if you tell me to go left because you're telling me to go left, I want to know why. Yeah. And say, well, why the hell can't I go this way? And most of the time it's because I'm telling you to go left. That's not good enough. Yeah. Right. So I like to, I like to rock the boat, right? It was it from Die Hard. He, remember Die Hard? He goes, I'm the yeah. monkey in the wrench, the fly in the ointment. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> like you're, plan to blow up the building ain't gonna go so good because i'm yeah. here and yeah because people don't like change people don't like something that challenges their viewpoint on something but the only way anything's gonna change is if you change your lens on stuff you have to be yeah. willing to to do that and not everybody can though i mean it can be tough honestly so i but it's it's very interesting it's it's changing over the years because of what we have access to these days, because it used to be that the medical establishment had this hierarchy seat up here and they know everything and the masses didn't have access to anything. Mm-hmm. So whatever the person in the white coat says is true. Cause they read a freaking book. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can read a book too, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. What's so special about that? You just, yeah. it's a classic thing. And uh, what was that uh, movie with uh, Goodwill Hunting? Yeah. yeah, you just spent $150,000 on education. You could have got the public library. That's what I, how I'm yeah. looking at things. Just because you went to school doesn't mean you can think your way out of a paper bag yeah. in relationship to medicine. And I completely believe that. So people are looking and they're learning and they're reading and they're starting to question things. And so it's a grassroots kind of stuff. And establishments don't like that, yeah. Honestly, and it feels that threat. It's a power grab. If you don't think medicine is a power grab, your your head is deep in some sand somewhere, because it's about it's money driven and it's policy driven, and they'll shut you down quick, fast, and in a hurry if you don't follow the narrative and you didn't drink the Kool Aid. Yeah. Um, so I make my point not to do that, but I come through it with a point of uh, integrity and respect. I I, I don't come at it from being something where I'm angry or trying to break something down. Yeah. But it's very interesting. The people, the people on the opposite side, very much are like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It becomes that way. So, um, but I, I really, honestly, I read, you know, when you can read a quote that somebody says and it just sticks with you. Yeah. I know most people who are listening to this thing have heard of Gandhi. And mm-hmm. his words and his approach, you know, changed the world. And it wasn't through force. It was through love or through a different lens. And he said, "Be I don't ever get it completely correct, but I just like the frame. Yeah. And you probably know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Be the change that you want to see in the world. Yeah. And it's not easy to do that. I don't mm-hmm. mind doing it. I actually love it because I have people that will reach out to me and say, thank you very much for 
you know, saying that or your perspective on that. I never would have, I never would have thought that way before. That mm-hmm. really in, inspires me a great deal that I can maybe help somebody change their thought process. And yeah. we have to keep ourselves grounded in what we think we know, because we know far, <laughs> what we think we know is nothing compared to what we have no clue about. <laughs> yeah. We just think we have all the answers, mm-hmm. but it, it completely changes. Like I said before about nobody knew you had lymph. Now you got lymph in your brain. Nobody thought about fascia. This, so everybody's so I'm dead right today. There's no other options. Yeah. And it's probably going to be wrong tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what science is founded on that openness of it's the best we got now. So let's stick with it, but we have to be open to that. There might, we might be wrong. Yeah. But we've lost that capability. And in, in what I'm seeing these days, if it doesn't fit into what uh, the narrative is, which I'll never be, I'll never be on that narrative side. Yeah. And I think when you, when I went in, into your course, um, like it might've been slightly before that, but that's when I started to see things a lot differently from more of the systems approach as well. So like you played a, a gigantic role in seeing like, yeah, seeing, okay, you've got, you know, knee pain. Yes. You got to treat knee pain. got to deal with that. But understanding that, 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 as you said at the beginning, that knee pain just doesn't start up. There's a lot of contributing factors other than maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you got clocked in the side of the knee from a football tackle, right? Like there's no trauma involved. It's just you starting to have knee pain, right? And so looking at kind of the bigger picture, it was interesting. About a, Actually, about a year ago, I tore my right bicep playing hockey. And mm. I know exactly, like I know I prepped that day at the beginning of the, uh, like in that morning, I had actually done like a, a back workout. So I feel as though... It was my own fault because I had already put a lot of load onto that biceps tendon, done a lot of, you know, pulling and those types of things, and uh, maybe even done a couple bicep exercises. And so the, you know, tendon's already a little bit frail. And then I go into a position that I've been in before, and then all of a sudden just snap goes the bicep. And it was something I never thought would happen because whenever I go into, when I went to see the surgeon, they always said, well, Hey, you know, um, did you do this lifting? Cause they look at me and then they look at the bicep tear. They're like, well, people your age, they always tear, you know, lifting. Right. And I'm like, no, I did it playing hockey. Uh-huh. He's like, Oh, we usually don't see that until you're 50, 60. <laughs> like what happened? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. So made me feel one really old and you know, I must be doing something wrong. But in my conversations <laughs> with well, the actual- my world, man. Yeah. <laughs> In my conversations with the actual surgeon, uh, he always said, you know, oh, it looks like you're going to be off training for the next, you know, six months or whatever, right? Because I'm in a cast for a week and then a splint for five weeks. And I'm thinking, and this is just a year ago, so I'm already thinking like, "Mm, yeah, no, I've got another full side of the body and legs and, (laughs) right? And, um, but he's just like, oh, no, why why would you want to do that? Then you're just going to get bigger on one side versus the other, like... It's either all small or like, anyways. I had that same experience, dude, when I, I've gone through my whole life without a major physical trauma. I mean, Mm -hmm. emotional ones, forget it. But 
three years ago, I slipped on ice right in my backyard here and landed backwards. Um, hyperflexed my left knee, which means my heel went under my butt yep. as I went down and the stretch tore my quad tendon mm. off the knee. Yeah. So basically my leg just went right up halfway up my leg, the muscle. And sorry, was it above <laughs> or below the patella? Below patella. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was, uh, I had to, I can't limp that one back. <laughs> right. So I had to get a surgeon, right. And I had a great surgeon. So the surgeon put me back together. And of course you can't flex your knee. You got to keep it straight for a, a month or so, which was hell. Yeah. Um, but it actually gave me a, cause he even said to me, he said, Dude, your rehab, your progress is just phenomenal. That's because mm -hmm. I moved the hell out of everything else when I was in my cast. But it was a huge lesson for me because I remember I've always done chop and lifts, right? Where I'm yep. standing and I'll just take something and I'll chop from low and I'll go diagonal up high and just this diagonal training. But I was here in my training studio, which is behind this wall. Mm -hmm. I'm casted up on my left leg and it's straight and I'm just doing a very easy band like a variable resistance band from high to low going like this. And the stuff that I felt happening in that leg, like my, my quad and my glute and my knee and everything was going bam, yeah, like crazy. And I realized it hit home to me. I've known how everything is interconnected. I'm, I give it lip service all the time. Yeah. But when I was, I wasn't even moving the leg in any way except for stability on it and i was chopping up and down and that whole leg was going like this and i'm convinced that that motion just the bear moving the rest of the body fed that other side and now of course you know how it works through neuroscience yeah. and everything but yeah. uh but it was a huge thing of like you just got to get in to, to, to feel these things it's like you want to swim you got to get wet type of stuff yeah and it was a huge lesson for me in relationship to how the power of moving just one part of your body that can seem completely unrelated to where your injury is mm -hmm. can influence that body part. Yeah. 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 I did. Uh, the physio always said that I was far too progressive in my rehabilitation of my bicep, but then also said after two visits to him to do some, you know, break up some scar tissue that I didn't have to see him anymore because it was already where it probably should be, you know, another six weeks in advance. Cause I was doing some mild isometrics. I had it out a little bit doing just some very, very light, you know, uh, movement a little bit earlier than what they were saying. And, mm -hmm. um, I was actually doing some very light banded resistance training, um, like about six weeks out because I have my, my wedding was about five weeks after this all happened so, yeah. so I had to get it out of the sling so I had to progress quickly I didn't want to be in a caster um, or splints for that but yeah it's a it's interesting plus kind of, you know it's your wedding you got to have the swimsuit <laughs> yeah right? yeah exactly yeah um so I, I wanted to ask a little bit of a a, a question so it's always really easy, like when we look at kind of, you know, to identify specific systems, right? So, you know, the lymphatic system, muscular system, the neural system, the circulatory system, all those different systems that we have. Can you 
touch on kind of the impact that the lymphatics have on just kind of really two key areas for me. One is uh, breathing and the oxidation of tissues. And the other one is sleep. Sure. Okay. Well, sleep is a cool one because they're just learning now that uh, when you sleep at night is when your brain lymph called your glymph, G-L-Y-M-P-H, glymphatics, which is short for glial cells in the brain. Mm-hmm. Your brain actually shrinks a little bit, these glial cells and your fluid that surrounds your brain actually power washes called your cerebrospinal fluid, power washes, all this stuff stuck in there. It's like a power wash to your fish tank. Mm-hmm. And then that drains out through your lymphatics and your glymphatics in your brain. And it goes down the lymph in your neck, along your neck, into your heart eventually. And it also drains behind the front of your skull here and what's called your cribriform plate that drains down in through your sinuses. And what's cool is they saw that lymph actually drains over and around some of your cranial nerves, <laughs> the nerves that are in your skull yeah. that come off your brain stem <laughs> means it's sort of important, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It drains down there so they can in, at night. So the sleep is when this process happens. So people that struggle to sleep because of stress or increased cortisol because they're under so much stress, then they can't power wash the brain. Mm -hmm. And then that's when they fall into this state of even more inflammation in the brain and in the body because of incessant stress. And incessant stress has been found to be the number one cause of chronic disease. Yeah. Because you break yourself down. Okay. So then some people think it will link to infectious disease because your immune system weakens under chronic stress, and then you're more susceptible to infections. Yeah. So so sleep is is vital, vital. Yeah. So the um, so you mentioned there the kind of causation between if you don't get enough sleep it doesn't drain the brain, doesn't allow the glymphatics to kind of do what they do in power wash. Right. Is, does it kind of, is it reciprocal both ways? There's a lot of lymph toxicity in the body also kind of lead to that. Like, is it a perpetual cycle like that? Yes. Yeah. It's always, it's always a pendulum swing. Yeah. Right. A yen to a yawn type thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so now you're getting the big picture. So if you got your lymphatics, because here's the thing. These guys talk about brain lymph and glymph here. And there used to be a time when they didn't think it had any. But we know that that now drains down into the neck. And then the neck drains into the heart. But the rest of your lymphatic system is going to influence how well the brain works because it's a pressure system mm-hmm. that bases on movement. And it's just like a weak link in a chain chain's only going to be as strong as its weakest and most vulnerable link. It's the same thing with your lymph. So if you have lymphatics, for instance, that are overloaded in your abdomen, which is one of the biggest places because the majority of your lymphatics sit in three places. So you've got billions, that's with a B, 
of lymphatic capillaries that gather fluid, then they trickle down into bigger areas that are called nodes. And then the nodes take the stuff that's in there, start to break it down through your immune system, kill stuff. And then it takes it to the next node and the next node and the next node, like a filtration system by the time it gets back to your heart. <clears throat> so it's supposed to bring those things and break those things down. But you've got over 700 to 800, depends on the resource that you read and the size of the person and genetics, lymph nodes, which is a lot. Yeah. One third of that 700 sits from the neck up. <laughs> I want you to think of that number. Yeah. That means it's a lot of stuff that needs to drain from that neck. The other major place that they're located is the skin. So the skin is huge for lymphatics. That's why dry brushing works so well. Okay. Yeah. That's why slapping your skin and rubbing your skin works so well. Then the other place is your gut, particularly your small intestines and what they call your galt, your gut-associated lymphoid tissue called. Mm -hmm. That's the largest part of your immune system is in your gut. 70 to 80%, depending on the resources that you read, say the strength of your immune system is in your gut. 70 to 80% of it. <clears throat> so if, if you have inflammation in your gut, or you have poor gut function, or you have a big thing that's happening to people these days is a term many people have heard of called leaky gut, mm -hmm. which means stuff is not supposed to get through your gut that's not supposed to get through your gut, right? Yeah. Only certain things are supposed to go through, but through stress and, and with the crap that we eat, stuff, big particles break through the gut, and then your immune system says to itself, holy cow, these things aren't supposed to be here. And then it goes and it wants to kill it. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? The first system there is it comes in contact with that stuff to get it under control. Lymph. Yeah. It's called Peyer's patches. And then the lymph kicks off your immune system response. Then immune systems means inflammation. And then it can give you an immune response anywhere. Here's what I want people to understand. I see a lot of people with chronic musculoskeletal pain. It's got nothing to do with the skeletal system. It's immune system problem. <laughs> so the chronic knee pain that you have is because your immune system is attacking your knee. Yeah. It goes after vulnerable areas because that's just smart nature. Nature doesn't go after strong shit. It goes after <laughs> weak stuff. Yeah. Right? Even the lion knows that. Dude, I'm not going to go after the ox. That's too much work. I'm going to go over here after this gazelle that's limping. Yeah. Way easier. Yeah. Well, that's the same way your body thinks with inflammation. Hey, guys, let's go over here. We can break this down. No problem. One, two, three. And then he's probably going to blame it on the knee anyway, so we can play here all day long. <laughs> right? Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to get the immune system under control because that's the inflammatory markers. And when you have inflammation somewhere you're supposed to have inflammation inflammation is a necessary form of healing mm -hmm. you're not supposed to keep inflammation all the time you're supposed to get it and then it's supposed to go away you're supposed to get it then it's supposed to go away if you have it all the time that's called chronic inflammation that's called chronic disease that's called systemic inflammation mm -hmm. or full body inflammation 
and inflammation means swelling. Yeah. Well, there's one system that gets rid of swelling. <laughs> the lymphatics. Yeah. Right. So one of the most viral posts I put up on Instagram was I said, ice doesn't get rid of swelling. Yeah. Lymphatics get rid of swelling. You recently posted that. I did. Yeah. So what you have to do is, I'm not saying you don't use ice, but I'm saying is you clear the lymphatics. So if you have to use ice, it helps the swelling get removed faster. But most of the blockages that happen is in the abdomen. So mm. here I'm cycling back to the brain, to your question. Yeah. That I know that if my gut has inflammation in here, first of all, most of my neurotransmitters to my brain come from my gut, not my brain. So my brain chemistry is already screwed up. And we know the gut is your second brain. Mm -hmm. So your gut influences your brain just as much as your brain influences your gut, if not more. And so the lymph that's here, if it's clogged, it changes the pressure mechanism in the whole system. So then it can actually slow down or inhibit the brain drain because the brain drain is coming down, but then I have a pressure problem lower. Mm -hmm. And we call that in physics, when you look at how fluids flow, because your body is mostly fluid. It's mostly water. I think most people know that. Yeah. And you've got five liters of blood in your body. And hold on to your socks. 15 liters of lymph. <laughs> so I want you to think about that, right? Yeah. That means in a street fight, lymph wins. Yeah. That's what that means. So that fluid has to move, and it moves through pressure. That's called hydrodynamics. Hydrodynamics. Yeah. So if you don't clear the pressure in certain sequences, you don't get the same results. Mm -hmm. And I've... I've carried that over to my therapeutic approach. So let me give you an example. Let's say I've got the right knee that's the problem. I've got pain there, inflammation or swelling. First of all, I don't care what's swollen or what's inflamed. I can treat that. I'm just going after the ability for that to leave. Yeah. First of all, if there's pain there, the immune system's there to help you out. That swelling has to go from my knee, up my leg, to my groin, in my pelvis, up my abdomen, up my spine, to the left side of my neck. It's a long way to go. Yeah. But if I have a blockage, let's say, in my right groin or even behind my right knee, all that swelling wants to go up, but it hits a block, mm -hmm. right? It's not completely blocked. If it was completely blocked, you'd have a really swollen leg called lymphedema, mm -hmm. right? But it gets slowed down. It gets trickled like this. Well, then all that pressure backflows. And when all that pressure backflows, I'm going to increase what? It's just like I clogged your damn filter. Yeah. So now what's going to be compromised? The ability for the fluid to flow, the ability for blood to flow. So I've got to be able to get the nutrients for the cell to be able to heal and regenerate. Mm -hmm. Then every nerve 
runs right along with an uh, artery. So if the blood flow can't happen, then the nerve gets compromised. Yeah. Then the nerve gets compromised, then I can have pain, discomfort, anything like that. And then that nerve can send pain anywhere along the track of the whole nerve, mm -hmm. anywhere it wants, right? Yeah. On that side or the other side. Because what most people forget is the nerve down your right leg is attached to the nerve down your left. Yeah. They talk to each other, mm -hmm. right? So what I'm looking for is that how that system works together. And I know from my work, if you've got chronic pain in that knee that nothing is helping, and I know that it doesn't need surgery and you don't have cancer and there's not a torn meniscus or even that doesn't mean that that's causing the pain because they know pain doesn't equate to tissue damage at all. Yeah. Because I could pull 10 people off the street and seven of them have a meniscus tear and they're like, oh, thanks for the info. Can I go run now? They don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you can't fall down that rabbit hole either because that's how medicine gets you because they'll test it and say you got a tear and then you'll go, that's my problem. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. And then, so for me, I'm going to say, okay, how about I just check the drainage points? Then I'm going to stick my finger in your groin and you'll be happy that I did that. <laughs> and then I'm going to stick my finger in your abdomen and push. Yeah. And I better not have any pain, any discomfort, and not this look of, oh, my God, that really, really hurt. Mm -hmm. If it does, I'm not saying that that's the cause of your knee pain. It could be. What I'm saying is it's a big, big contributor to why that knee is only going to let you get so far. Yeah. But in medicine, ain't nobody going to look at your abdomen because what the hell does your abdomen have to do with your knee? Yeah. Well, I'm standing over here on the path that nobody's walking on saying it's got everything to do with your knee is yeah. what I'm telling you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so second part to that question was um, the it's effect been so long, I on, forgot what it was. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, I kept, kept yeah, I just finished reading a couple books um, Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McHugh and, and Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Good one. Yeah. So um, really yeah. enjoyed both of those. So with regards to breathing, because we talk a lot in just the fitness industry, like everything's breathing right now, right? Like there's so much with regards to breathing, proper breathing. It's the new psoas. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, that's a good Instagram post. I'm going to have to put that on. <laughs> breathing is the new psoas. Yeah. Right. And uh, so there's a lot of talk about it. And, and one area that I focus on is um, the oxidation of, of tissues, right? So being able mm -hmm. to get the proper amount of oxygen from the lungs to the tissues that need it. Um, and then actually have that oxygen unhook and get into the actual tissue itself. Right. That's so, oxygen advantage one-on-one. Yeah. Right. So can you talk about the role that the lymphatics play in the ability of the body to deliver oxygen? Sure. So Patrick is a great dude, man. The oxygen advantage. I know you're going to ask me later on three books. That's one of them. All right. Um, man, Cause he was on my podcast as a guest talking about the value of being able to breathe in and out through your nose yeah, and how much that can change your life and tape your mouth shut when you sleep. Well, now you know that that helps your diaphragm move better, which helps your lymphatics move better. So you pump your brain better. Mm -hmm. 
right? But he talks about it all the time in relationship to his work and what's referenced in the Buteyko method of breathing. I think it's B-U-T-E-Y-K-O, Buteyko, that is uh, based on, it's not necessarily that, you know, people don't have enough oxygen in their body. They usually have plenty of oxygen in their body. It just can't get to where it needs to go. Yeah. It can't get to the cell. And the easiest way I can explain that is think nutrition. Many people suffer from malabsorption. Yeah. Which means they eat good stuff. But just because you eat good stuff doesn't mean that the good stuff is getting into the cells at all. Yeah. Because it's it's gotta be absorbed through the gut. Yeah. And most people can't absorb through the gut because there's holes in the damn thing. You got <laughs> leaky gut. So it's, it's not about that. It's the same with oxygen. The oxygen is there in the capillaries on the hemoglobin. And then the, at the end point of the capillaries, because they th- come through the capillaries, one cell at a time, by the way. Yeah. And the cells are out there in the fish tank going, dude, like I'm right here. I'm ready for the oxygen, man. Yeah, And the oxygen's there. Say, okay, well, first of all, I need to have carbon dioxide to be able to help to tell me that, that I can go. So you have to have the right amount of carbon dioxide so oxygen can let go. Yeah. <clears throat> so first of all, if you don't have the right amount of carbon dioxide to oxygen ratio, you've already changed the pH acidity level of the fish tank that your fish are living in. Mm-hmm. Got it? Yeah. So I already know that the fish tank has got crappy water in it because <clears throat> you can't unleash the oxygen with the CO2. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so let's say by some miracle that you, you're releasing some, of course, that the oxygen is letting go, then the oxygen actually has to travel through that fluid, this extracellular outside the cell, to go intracellular mm-hmm. into, right? But it's only gonna be able to get there if it can travel, pardon me, travel through that fluid. Yeah. So what happens if I've got a uh, crappy fluid that it just can't get there, yeah. right? And some of it's gotta get there, otherwise you would be dead like in a second, right? Yeah. <clears throat> And it gets into the cell, and the cell's like, oh, my goodness, thank you. At least I got something here. And then the cell's like, I needed that oxygen. It uses that oxygen. It goes through the oxidative process. It goes through Krebs cycle because the oxygen is what kicks off the Krebs cycle. Right? You need that. And then it uses it. Then it's got to get rid of that metabolic waste. And then all of a sudden, it puts more metabolic waste into the metabolic waste that's already there. Then all of a sudden, the fluid becomes thicker. And then the body has to try to find some way to make that fluid, make that area less thick. So it just swells itself, right? Mm. It makes the container bigger. It tries to dilute the crap. Yeah. So then it takes the water that you're drinking and it won't let you absorb the water into the cell because I can't let you go into the cell because the extracellular environment of the cell is so toxic. So then you actually become dehydrated even though you drink all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you're not absorbing water, you're not absorbing oxygen, you're not absorbing nutrients, all those things that you need, and you need those to make new cells. 
<laughs> chronic chronic disease occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells that work. I just want yeah. you to think about that sentence. Chronic disease occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells that work. What do you need to make new cells that work? Oxygen is kind of important. Yeah. Nutrients are kind of important. Getting rid of toxins are important. If those are hit, chronic disease happens, and then they tag some dumbass name to it that they give you, and then you become that. And I'm always trying to figure out what is a cell missing that it needs. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Right? So you have to look at that much bigger picture for those things that are going on. So I can do all of my diaphragm breathing, and that's great. I can do all my breathing drills. That's great. All I'm saying is now you know what has to come first. Mm -hmm. I have to clear the tank first. So now in my world, you do the lymphatic mojo resets first, yep. and then you breathe. It's a completely different result. Yeah, that you'll get. It's the A to B or B to A, again. Yeah, that you go through, right? Yeah. So all those systems, you need to think about all those processes that has to happen for cells just to get that oxygen. Yeah. And, and those nutrients, it's it's massive. But here's what happens too: is when when you have all those toxins in your body right? Because you're toxic, those toxins are going to float through the bloodstream. And then viruses and toxins and bacteria are way bigger than the capillary spaces where you have to have the oxygen come through. Then they plug up the holes. Because mm -hmm. only one cell can get through at a time. Yeah. That's it. And then you block the ability for all those things to even get out mm -hmm. to the tissue. So when you think about it like that, you go, holy cow, you know something? That actually freaking makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm like, I know it does. <laughs> I know it does. It's, but we learn this. They learn this in school. You know, like they get this information in their biology book and their physiology book, but they break that down into these individual systems that they learn. Mm -hmm. But they don't look at, okay, now I need to put all those freaking chapters together and know that they talk to each other. Yeah. But not a lot of people do it. You know why? Because it's a lot of heavy lifting and you have to use your brain like a lot. Yeah. To really be a detective and understand. So I, when I started to study neuroscience and things like that, information in and of itself is inherently meaningless. Yeah. That means you can name all the different body parts and pass your exam. That doesn't impress me at all. Yeah. That's just information. Yep. It's the meaning. It's the meaning behind the information that I'm looking at. Yeah. Right. Can you, can you begin to put these processes together like this? And then people that think that when I teach this stuff or go over these things that it is crazy, it doesn't make any sense. I'm on the other side saying, I feel the complete opposite that you need to take the time to try to look at these relationships that's here nobody just showed you a way to try to do it yeah but i will say this our healthcare system doesn't make that easy yeah and it's so i have a lot i know there's a lot of people that would love to do that mm -hmm. and because nobody gets into this business because they don't want to help people they mm -hmm. they're they're doing what they love to do 
and the heroes that we have out there right now, we couldn't do it without them. And people go into a discipline usually that changed their life or saved the life of someone that they love and they're drawn towards it. Right. Yeah. But you're, you're stuck sometimes. And you know, I got five minutes with a patient. That's all they give me. And then I would love to be able to look at the abdomen in relationship to the knee, but there's no way my insurance company would be able to validate that relationship to say that that's not warranted. And, yeah. you know, you can actually lose your license sometimes if you do something and you're going somewhere and you didn't test this first or this or that. Yeah. And it's a batshit nuts system. Yeah. It honestly is. But that's why I've been able to learn this work so well, honestly, for me, is that I'm not the first person you go see. I'm the last person you go see. Mm. So I know when somebody comes in to see me, they've been evaluated to make sure that the back doesn't have a tumor that's causing it to hurt, that they don't have something that they need to have here. They've had this test, this test, this therapy, this therapy, this therapy. So I know, well, I don't have to do those because if they were what you needed, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. So then I'm afforded the ability to look at relationships that many people would never look at because they're just going through the check boxes first. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that those other therapies don't work because they do. I'm always fascinated by the ones that don't work. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's gotta be a logical explanation why. Yeah. And I love that. Like as a, as educators, our job is to one give the why, but also provide the tools necessary to, like allow students to interconnect those systems, right? Like I, you know, I teach an anatomy physiology course at the college down in Toronto. And in that we like each week is separated into, you got a week for lymphatics, you got a week for, you know, about two weeks for the muscular system. You got a week for the skeletal system, the neural system, circulatory system. And you, you look at all of that. And part of what we have to do is, okay, let's, let's think back to you. So last week we did this. How does, this system right. affect that system and and that's like that's what i feel as though like whether or not you memorize every single muscle in the body i i want you to understand what affects that system right and how that system can affect other things as well so, exactly because the, the names are irrelevant when i teach mm -hmm. i joke around and say dude i don't care if you call it a psoas or a water bottle the freaking name doesn't matter yeah i want you to understand how the pair of scissors relates to my water bottle like yeah don't get caught up in the name. I want you to think about interactions and relationships, but we get so, so caught up in naming things or that we can put stuff down and say, okay, I know what it is that I understand. Those yeah. are so not the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, better than anybody, you got people who come out of class with an A and you wouldn't let them touch you with a 10 foot pole. Right. Yep. It's just, there's yeah. a lot more to it. A there lot is. more to it. Yeah. And um, I actually think that's a great place to make because then in part number two, that's what we'll get to is kind of figuring out what that a lot more to it is. State of the Industry Podcast. I'll be back.